Episode 180, and Dennis Bernstein, interestingly enough, 180 with 80 being on the end. This show right now <laughs> is probably going to have less talk about number 80 than we have had perhaps all season. I'm sure Dubois will come up at some point, but this is not the episode about number 80. This is about what was going on behind the bench. Anyway, welcome back to uh, Southern California. Dennis, you've been in Toronto for All-Star Festivities. Welcome back to Kings of the Podcast. Yeah, I came back to some great weather, John. Holy crap. I mean, really. I mean, and it may not be about 80, but it probably is about 80. If 80 played better, maybe we're not having this podcast. And yes, I know Fair people point. want an emergency podcast, but we got stuff to do. I was in Toronto for all the <laughs> weekend. I'm paying the price right now on Saturday, on Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, the, the Todd McClellan era is over. Or the Jim Hiller era will start. And uh, dealer's choice, John, where do we start? Okay, we have a lot to get through. Let's at least uh let's let's just put a temporary pin in the Todd McClellan stuff because we have a whole show to unpack. You can talk to us for a few minutes. Just give us the highlights, give us the updates. Uh I unfortunately did not go to Toronto this year for the All-Star game. You were there. You know, when you're around the entire hockey world and it's all in one building or one town, you you hear stuff. So Give us, give us the scoop. You came back from the All-Star festivities. What'd you hear? What'd you see? What do we need to know about? You and I have not even actually had a chance to connect. Um, literally, we just were both available and we said, let's do this. So yeah. fill us in live on the air. Well, I, I, I flew in on Thursday, right? And probably 10 people said, what's the problem with your Kings? I said, well, they're not my kings. I said, well, they have they stopped scoring. They're not playing great defense. The goaltending's been average. So the whole litany of things. So a lot of people are asking me. And then, of course, when the news hit on Friday, it was not unexpected, John. And we'll go into that. But uh, with respect to the All-Star game, if they're not going to do an All-Star game for three years, and they might do one before the Olympics, I'm not sure they'll have enough time to do it, they went out with a bang. And I know that maybe the entertainment, John, isn't your cup of tea. I'm sure it isn't. But it was really, really well done. It well, was I'm not. Really... I'm not. Uh, I'm not afraid to admit that when you texted me the picture of Bieber, I replied with, "Who's Ooh. that?" So I, I have no idea. I don't know who that is. I don't. It could have been. Could have been Colin Frazier for all I know. I have no idea who that is. You know. You know. I like to wear different jackets, John. And I think you might have seen the polka dotted jacket from uh, Justin Bieber, and people haven't seen it. He was wearing it behind the bench. Uh, I text PJ. I said, do not buy me this jacket. This jacket I will not wear. So <laughs> I thought but, you were going to say the opposite. You texted PJ and said, order this for me immediately. No, you, you like the Brixton hat that I got. You're like, why? And people have, I put that on social media as well yesterday and today. And John, and I, I gave a preview to, to, to John and John's like, 
why? And so I yeah. started laughing. He says, that's not really you, Dan. I go, yeah, it really isn't. But No. Well, Dowdy wore a hat very similar to that recently. Uh, I'm going to so- wear that to practice when he's in the room, okay. John. I want a review from Drew Dowdy. Hopefully you oh, can be there for Thursday. that. That would be really Thursday. Yeah. Are you available? <laughs> yeah. 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 I had a Dowdy. feeling you'd be there on Thursday, uh, yeah. the debut of Jim Hiller, which we'll get yeah, to. So- any, any good yeah. stories? though? Oh, hold on. Let's talk about the tournament yeah. real quickly because um, yeah. you just said something that was interesting. It, it there was so much news going on that this kind of flew below the radar. But the assumption, the presumption was that the All Star Game was going to be on hiatus until after yeah. the Four Nations tournament, until after the All or the Olympics and everything. And then yeah. it just like you just slipped it in the same way that the news sort of slipped in was like, <laughs> well, maybe we'll still do an All Star Game. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, yeah, they That's, might that do was it. the talk. They might do yeah. one. That would be the send off to the Olympics for the team, and I, I think because it was so well received, and the the players had fun. Even though you know th- the tough thing, John, is that when you watch the games, you watch the interviews, like the fantasy draft, the guys just don't have a lot of personality. Like you know, Michael Bublé. You think? Does, yeah, <laughs> Michael wow. Bublé does, but he talked about mushrooms, and then Will Arnett's captaining is the uh, uh, you know the celebrity captain for uh, Connor and Leon's ha- team, and he's wearing a Maple Leafs hat. So I think there was a couple of faux pas there. But it was so rebel received. It was a lot of fun. Of course, it was in Toronto. So, you know, John, when you, I went to the fanfare in F- Florida last year, and it was at the beach, and maybe, you know, there might have been a couple hundred people at any one point in time. In Toronto, the line was down the block to get in the convention center mm-hmm. in the rain. Like, this was incredibly well. Everybody had a great time. The, the players were into it. There's a lot of entertainers there. You know, a lot of people showed up. So it was great. Now, I, look, the game is the game. The skills were better. They revamped the skills. So I think that was better. Uh, but it was so well received by the players. They were amped to be there. Uh, I, I think they may do it to get an opportunity because I don't think they want to go three years without doing it. They're going to do it at some point in time, John, again. Mm-hmm. And I think that they can maybe, you know, take two years to plan it, maybe reinvent it a little bit more. But it was it was a great weekend for the NHL. And, you know, anybody's feelings about Tate McGray or Justin Bieber aside, they're big names. And mm-hmm. I, I think what you need to do is leverage it and say, hey, look, if Bieber can show up, a lesser band can show up. Some of the Canadian bands, John, like the Glorious Sons, nobody – I asked like 10 Canadians, like, do you know that band? They go, no. Um, so – but it was a lot of fun. We had an amazing gifting suite, TFP. I um, put some images out there. And, and you mentioned the Four Nations tournament, Kale McCarr, who, as you know, John, all these players are amazing. They're so gracious, so humble. Kale is, you know, what, top five player in the game? Mm-hmm. Really great kid. I said, what do you think about that tournament? He goes, I love it. I want to play. I can't wait to play. Uh, you know, it's obvious with of respect course, to the Of course Olympics. he wants to play because these yeah. kids grow up playing for Team Canada, playing for t- the U.S. You, you yeah. go to the under-18 turn. Well, you go to the uh, 17s first, then the 18s. Yeah. Then you go to the World Juniors, and then everything just basically stops because they're, they haven't done the Olympics and they haven't yeah. done the World Cup. So there's that whole generation that since the last World Cup, uh, what was that, 2016, 2017? Yeah, the one yeah, in Toronto with the, yep. with the under-23 uh, yep. North American team, North America. team that everybody mm-hmm. loved. Yeah, that was fantastic. One of the best jerseys ever, by the way. Yeah, Connor McDavid has never played in, internationally as a pro. Like that, that's stop how crazy and think this about is. that. Really seriously, right. stop and think about that. Yep. Arguably, I guess if you want to, arguably the best player on the planet yep. has not mm-hmm. played in a best on best tournament since the World Junior tournament. Like that's mm-hmm. insane, Dennis. Yep, that's yep. insane. But, yep, everybody had a great time. It was a great event, a great weekend, great exposure for the NHL. Uh, you know, we got to talk to, and I'll just throw out some props that I talked to you about before. Uh, we had a we had a party after the the game was over, and we had this three story penthouse suite that we had all these uh, 
sponsors like ASICS came in and all these other ones, CCM, uh, Brixton, where I got my hat. The first guys to show it at our after party, which was about seven o'clock on uh, Saturday night, was David Amber and Kevin Bieksa. They actually nice. skipped the NHL party to come and talk to us. And David Amber has been a huge fan of mine, of TFPs for a very long time. Kevin Bieksa is as funny in person uh, casually as he is on the air. So they were great guys. It was it was a, a really, really a fun time. But back to Kale McCarty, he, he, he said, look, I want to play in this. This is great. So it was a great weekend for us. To, you know, it's funny, John. People make, you know, they, you don't like the All-Star game. It's past its prime. It's, it's not relevant anymore. When everybody gets there, including yep. the players, they have yep. a blast. They it's have a, just they like have the a outdoor love. game, Dennis. It's a localized yep. event. So when you're there, we had a blast last year in Florida at the All-Star, all the stuff that went down, right? Yep. When you're there, it's fantastic. When you try to plug into the event from out of market, it is a little bit tough. It, it is it's a little tough. bit. It, it's, no question. It, it drags on. And so that would be my advice, by the way. You talk about revamping it. The, the draft itself, the concept is awesome. I love it. I wish they would keep that. But there were way too many commercial breaks, and the thing drug yeah. on. It's not as interesting, and don't try to argue and tell me it's a made-for-TV event. Well, if it's a made-for-TV event, then you need to do a better job of making it for TV because mm-hmm. doing a commercial after every couple of picks, it just doesn't work. You need to let them hurry up and get through it and find a way to then make the other stuff uh, you know, fill in around the time. And the unfortunate part of that, John, and you're absolutely right, but when I walked through the building, when I walked through Scotiabank, there was so much excitement in the – in the concourse about this, it didn't translate because yeah, because it, it dragged. But you know, I always said, I said to, to you know, I was sitting next to a couple of people. I said, look, you know what? The next Connor McDavid, who's eight years old, is walking through the crowd tonight. Is in the seats probably, and mm-hmm. so for, it's it's you know a lot a lot of it's for the kids and stuff like that. So, so that's what it is. So it still resonates with me. I agree with you. But then now they have at least two years to fine-tune it, and I agree with you. It's just too long, and I get it. You want a certain window for TV. I understand it. I get it. But I just think it was a home run, for, for certainly for us at TFB, but definitely for the league. But now it's, it's, it's back to business. And, uh, you know, but uh, I, I really think it was very, very well executed. And now the next one is the uh, is Stadium Series in a couple of weeks, and we'll be doing that for uh, – we'll be doing a pregame show for both uh, nights uh, for SiriusXM as well. Which is outstanding. Now, real quickly, before we get to the Kings and move on, I just want to make sure for any of the people out there that don't know what we've just been talking about for a few minutes here with this Four Nations tournament. So the idea is that the NHL wants to do the World Cup every couple of years on the off years of the Olympics. So the fantastic news coming out of Toronto this past week was that they have locked in for the next two Winter Olympics Mm -hmm. that the NHL players are going to participate, which is great because they've skipped a couple of Olympics, but now they're set to go in 2026 and then again in 2030. So by locking that in now on the international hockey calendar, they can lock in this World Cup tournament, which they want on the every two years off year. So essentially it would go all-star game, World Cup, all-star game Olympics. That's kind of the general idea. Right. Well, because of the war and the problems in Russia and and sort of Russian athletes are kind of banned on the international level at this particular time, Team Russia cannot participate. It's not allowed to or is not invited. Whatever words you want to use, I don't know, but they're not participating in the World Cup. The NHL or the IIHF does not want them involved, just like they weren't involved in the World Juniors. So you then go, okay, well, without Russia, how many teams do we legitimately have to be able to create this tournament? We already know from the prior World Cup that IIHF and the NHL didn't believe that they could put together enough quality teams with the various countries. And that's how the North American team came to be. 
So what they decided, for better or worse, and we could argue it on a different podcast, Dennis, uh, should they have gone back to Team North America and done that again? Because it was <laughs> right. well-received. It was a lot of fun. It was all the best stars in the world coming up that were under 23. What sure. they decided to do instead is they said, hey, let's pare down the tournament to right. only four teams. And so it's going to be Canada, the U.S., Finland, and Sweden, which, of course, covers the majority of players. However, it does leave players like Andrzej Kopitar out of the mix because he was right. part of Team Europe. So they... I don't know what the right word is, but they they created two teams in the last World Cup. They created Team Europe, which mm-hmm. was for all of the countries that only had limited representation and they couldn't right. field a full country. Team. Right. Uh, and they created Team North America of all the kids under 23 because, quite honestly, the U.S. and Canada could each put together two squads. But you can't have USA 1 and 2 in this type of a tournament. So they decided to just have four teams. And they're calling it the Four Nations. I think the Four Nations Shootout. Isn't that what they're calling it? Yeah. I or the Four Nations Faceoff. I'm sorry. Okay. Four Nations Faceoff. Uh, similar to the Rookie Faceoff. Which, by the way, yeah. while you were gone, I broke the news that LA is going to be getting that. Tour. Yeah, that's great. I saw that. Yep. Uh, it's going to be, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. But anyway, so that is four-team uh, tournament. Canada, the U.S., Finland, and Sweden will take place mm-hmm. next year, late January, early February, in place of the All-Star team. So, uh when this podcast is over, I would like everybody to get their lists together and tweet us the rosters. Let us know who you think yeah. is going to be on Team Canada, Team US, uh, Team Finland, and Team Sweden. You know, the interesting thing, John, it's probably going to be in Montreal and Boston. That's where I'm, that's, we've heard where that, that's the two cities where it's going to be in. And the interesting thing is I was sitting with Amber and Bieksa, and we started talking about the teams, you know, a little, you know, fantasy Four Nations hockey tournament. And we tried to figure out who would be in goal for the Canadian team. And we struggled to come up with three goalies. The, the, the lead guy probably right now Don't tell is me eight, Jordan Bennington. N- you know, because I heard some talk on that on NHL yeah, Radio over the weekend. Yeah, that would be Aiden Hill, maybe. Down. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, he's won a cup. He, if he's healthy, he's played. The only and I, I mentioned one guy. If he's still playing, maybe it's Mark Andre Fleury because he actually has international experience. How crazy would that be? But the, the, it, 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 if you go through the list, it, it's a struggle to get three legitimate goaltenders that would win in that type of you know series. Certainly, and as we mentioned, John, there has been international competition, so you're not going to have some 24 year old goalie with any international competition in tournaments like that. So it's going to be really interesting to see. But I, I think it's going to be a home run, and I get it. Like there should be more teams, but. You know, you're getting what probably seventy percent of the players that you would normally get for this. You know, for a a bigger tournament. But really looking forward to that, and it's really really great news that they're getting the World Cup. They're doing this, and certainly uh, the Olympics as well. I'll make the argument very simple, Dennis. Fine, you don't like it. The alternative is <laughs> instead of having the four nations face off next year, the NHL does the All Star Game. Conversation's <laughs> over. Mic drop. I'll take the four team <laughs> tournament the way it is. Uh, with warts and all, I'll take it. I'm fine. Let's go. Uh, book it, Dennis. We'll be in Boston yep. for. Uh, I I love the tournament. I loved it when it was in Minnesota. I loved it when it was in Toronto. Uh, you know how much I I just absolutely oh, yeah. love international you, hockey. You can't wait. You wish it was tomorrow. Cup, exactly. The Olympics, the World Juniors. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I wish it was tomorrow. Let's go. Let's get it done. Connor Hellebuck. I would expect to be the starting goaltender for the U.S. Does not have the same problem in goal that Team Canada. Amen. Has yeah, for they, true. You know, <laughs> not that that's a problem. guaranteed win, but uh, right. the exactly. goaltender. I think is pretty much already settled. It will be Connor yeah. Hellebuck, who does have some international experience because he played in the uh, the World Championships for Team USA mm-hmm. uh, a few yep. years ago. So, all right, we're 15 minutes, nearly 15 minutes into the podcast. And as I think that the reason everybody is tuning in is to talk about Todd McClellan or listen yep. to what we have to say about Todd and Jim Hiller, et cetera. 
Uh, so let's start with that. Um, I've had several people that have inquired, well, what changed? What happened? Right. Because Rob mm-hmm. Blake on January 18th came out and said yep. that he's not thinking about changing the coach. I will just give my opinion. I'd be curious for yours if it's any different. I firmly believe that he did not plan on changing the coach on January 18th. I think that he was being sincere when he said that there were no uh, there were no plans afoot. I had not heard anything from any sources. Uh, I I just don't believe that it was in the works, if you will. Um, They did have six games that were remaining. They had the three games at home. They had the three games on the road and they were going to continue to further evaluate. And the hope was that the players were going to figure it out and get it going. And Dennis, we, cr- uh, we have sort of the timeline of when things fell apart. So sure. game. Well, so far, do you agree with what I've said so far? 100%. Okay. I didn't want to get too far into the story uh, on the timeline here. So the Saturday comes, they beat the Rangers, the big game, uh, mm-hmm. you know, probably the game of the six that you wouldn't have expected them to win, but they did. Exactly. They mm-hmm. beat the Rangers in a very emotional filled game, as everybody knows, because Jay quick was back in town. And then you get to the next two games that were at home. Um, they lost. Uh, they didn't look well. Uh, they didn't, you know, look mm-hmm. strong. The, um, and what I think in the one game, San Jose was a shootout, if I remember correctly. Correct. Overtime or a shootout, one of those, because they picked up a point. I still, at that point, did not believe, did not think that there was going to be a coaching change. We had said all along on this program that if it was going to happen, it would happen over the all-star mm-hmm. break, though, because it was just what made the most sense if it got to that. The window was there, right? Yeah, and I said to you, and I I should have looked it up. I don't think we've recorded a podcast since then, but if not, I know I said it to Boomer uh, on NHL Radio, and that is the first time that the thought ever crossed my mind that Todd McClellan would probably be losing his job soon was in the third period of the game against Buffalo. And if you remember, I turned to you, and I said, something's wrong. The energy's wrong. It just it it just just it just felt wrong, Dennis. It felt like something mm-hmm. was about to happen. It wasn't good. And then you know everything that basically happened over the next or not even twenty four hours. But Drew Doughty publicly uh, airing his concerns, which those mm-hmm. were private for a couple weeks leading up to that. There had been closed door meetings with players and everything else, and and. Everything he said publicly, he had said privately, and some of the other leaders had said privately as well, uh, player to player. So yep. the, the 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 player issues became public, and McClellan, I didn't like the answers at the press conference, and I had said that to you, Dennis, that I'm paraphrasing what he said. I've pushed all the buttons. I've done everything, and it was almost like I don't know what else that I can do to get this group to do. I'm going to continue to do it. Like He almost tried to walk it back. We should have pulled mm-hmm. some audio and said it, but it was it was that night, third period Buffalo, the press conference that I went, ooh, something changed. And then Dennis, it didn't really matter at that point what happened on the three games on the road. Everybody kind of expected them to lose that game against Colorado. You said it on the last podcast, actually. Yep. So we did do a pod um, and they did. They got blown out fine. And the next two games, even though they won the third game, Dennis, the last game. It wasn't enough. This team had not mm-hmm. turned the corner. Yeah. They didn't respond to the GM on January 18th. So that's the timeline. It, it, um, you know, they came home on late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Um, and uh, as we reported on mayorsmanner.com, um, Todd was informed by Rob Thursday night. And then they made mm-hmm. the announcement on Friday morning. So yeah. there's the timeline, everybody. DB, yeah. the floor is yours. Yeah, I align with probably like 90% of what. And I thought that. If there wasn't going to be a change, like the Ranger game, they never play well against the Rangers. Right? They don't. They're just not a good matchup. They want to find a way to win that game. 
I like you that the, the back-to-back losses at home against those two teams, and especially the Buffalo game, because you're up three-one. That should have been a you know the team in November would have won that team six, game six-one, right? So to lose them in that manner, and I said it, I said they they can go to Colorado and lose seven to one, lose five-one. But some people were tweeting at five-one. Oh, DB, you actually might be right about something. You might actually lose seven to one. I didn't think that was happening. But again, the St. Louis game. Look, one of the things. Braden Shen, nice shot, but it was from 35 feet. It beat Ridge through his elbow. But I think the defining moment was the third period of Nashville. And you're right. They won the game. But, John, they got outshot 18-3. to Nashville hit four posts. They got outshot 42-24. to And this was a team in October and November. They were out shooting teams 42-24. Something was drastically wrong. And... And I'm like, oh, wow, they won a game. But I even, you know, John, the little picture, small, small, medium and big picture. I said, like you, was that enough? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And my timeline was, you know, we were in, you know, we were in Toronto doing, you know, our thing with the fourth period and the gifting suite and all the weekend stuff. And right around 11 o'clock on uh, on Friday, I got a text from an NHL player who's Jim Hiller. I'm like, uh oh, that's not good. 11 a.m. Eastern, just to tie it back. So it was was within a couple of minutes of the press release going out saying that Todd had been relieved of his responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that's not good. And so it had to come. And I agree with that. I I think those two games at home, John, if you're a championship team or you have designs on winning a championship, you don't lose those two games. You don't get one point out of four. It just, Mm -hmm. it went too far south. And yeah, Todd's right. Like what else could you do when, when you can't get a save, when your team, the bottom six doesn't score anymore, except for the one game where the fourth line actually, you know, won them the game. Like, what do you do? Like, what do you, and so what's Rob's options here? The team's on the line. He made a big move in the offseason. The team's going far south. And the weird thing, John, is they're still a playoff team. Like, so I, I get it. And I said this probably 10 times. Three wins in 17 games wouldn't save Scotty Bowman's ass these days. Right when you look at the other coaches, that you also referenced Toe Blake, by the way, which uh, I, I did, did get a few texts uh, about that one. Yeah, that was uh, exactly fantastic. Pull. That's there. how old yeah. I am. Right, exactly. Yeah. It, it's just it's not John's just not good enough. As as much as an affinity I have for the coach, and I think he's done some great things. And I go down the list of probably six players who's emerged on the Todd's tutelage. It's just it, it wasn't good enough, and it's and John used the great term. It, it's the last lever to pull. And it's the biggest and it's the most damaging. And also that we haven't talked about yet. I'm sure it might come up tomorrow. You also mentioned the financial considerations as well. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, could they go, could they have con, you know, you're going to pay Todd close to $5 million a year next year. Could you go sign another, like somebody asked me online if John Cooper's contracts up, would they sign him? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, if, you know what the situation is with respect to the budget. So I like you said like this past week, I'm like, okay, so they won the game, but would Todd get to the other side? And, you know, don't, they had a bye week. If they didn't have the bye week, and let's say they played tomorrow on Monday or Tuesday, maybe the change would have came sooner. But you had a little bit of time to buy. And I know that you were also asked this question. You could address it now with Hiller. I assume he's going to be the guy for the rest of the season. Right. Yeah, he is. And I'm not sure why that is. A lot of people keep asking that. And I'm not sure why that is vague uh, or or, or unsettled. Because there's Craig Berube out there. There's Jay Woodcroft. And I told somebody, I said, look, if you really think they were serious about Craig Berube and there was a conversation here, do you think he would be in the studio in Atlanta doing the Kings Nashville game? But here's here's what I'm saying, though, about that, Dennis. The announcement was made. So we'll get clarity tomorrow on Monday from Blake if if. 
I'm reading this wrong, which I don't believe I am, but the statement was made that he is the interim coach through the balance of the season, yeah. period. It's, it was not for a week. It was not for two weeks. It was not he's the interim coach, and it was left open for interpretation. There's nothing to interpret. He is the interim head coach through the balance of the season. They will readdress it this summer. Why did they not want to go out and spend, A, there's money. It's in the article, actually, but people yeah. get tired of hearing that. So I guess I'll explain it here, and you can listen, right? <laughs> so two main reasons. There's probably 20 reasons, right? But I can't give them all to you right now in one podcast. Two main reasons. One is the money. So let's talk about that first. Sure. McClellan is under contract for one more year. Essentially, even though they fired him, they are paying him for the next 18 months at a roughly right. rate of $5 million. If you go out and sign, insert any name you want into there. Bruce Boudreaux, Craig Berube. I don't care who the big name is. If you're signing them as well, you're essentially paying for two coaches. This is a team. They do have a budget. They have a P&L, just like every other team in pro sports. Okay? I know it's not our money, but Mr. Anschutz does have a P&L with revenue and expenses and a bottom line to it. This is not a charity. Okay? This is is a for-profit business, and they would essentially be paying two head coaches. So there's a financial consideration, number one. Number two, the consideration is... Will there be enough practice time to implement new systems okay. and make your changes if you want to go in a completely different direction? And they didn't believe that there was enough practice time to right. be able to do that. You go, well, hold on. They're on a bye week. Yes, but they're not allowed to have contact with the players or have team practices until Thursday, which is 48 hours prior to the Edmonton game. So, yeah. And people want to point to, well, it worked out just fine with Daryl Sutter. Well, yeah, I don't know. Somebody needs to go up and pull up. How long was Terry Murray still under contract? Because if it was only till the end of that season, then they were only paying Terry Murray for six more months. I can guarantee you this, though, whether Terry Murray was under contract longer than the end of that season, he was not under contract at anywhere near the dollar value of Todd McClellan, who is one of, if not the highest paid coaches in the National Hockey League. So it's a major consideration. And as Mm -hmm. Jim Rome likes to say, when people tell you it's not about the money, it's It's always about the money. money. Okay, so that's consideration number one is the money. And number two is the change. But I will say this about Jim Hiller. And I'm sure I'll get a tweet, you know, I'm oh, you're already defending Jim Hiller. No, I'm providing context and giving information. Jim Hiller is not a Todd McClellan guy. And what I right. mean by yeah. that is Trent Yanni is. is Trent Yanni has worked alongside of him for decades. Trent Yanni is Todd McClellan's guy. Jay Woodcroft is Todd McClellan's guy. Jim Hiller is not. Follow Jim Hiller's career. He was in Toronto. You know who wasn't in Toronto when he was an assistant coach with the Maple Leafs? Todd McClellan. When he was in the New York uh, Islanders organization as an assistant coach. You know who wasn't with the Islanders at that time? Todd McClellan. And oh, by the way, he uh, Jim Hiller was also a head coach in the WHL for two separate teams. And Dennis, you know the punchline. You know who wasn't yes. in the WHL with Jim Hiller back then? Todd McClellan. So he's not a Todd McClellan guy. He's worked with Todd for the last couple of years. Obviously, they worked well together. Uh, Jim Hiller came in and did a fantastic job. He turned the power play around. He created, helped, helped certainly create. Uh, this offensive juggernaut that was the LA Kings earlier this season. Their power play went from being in the toilet two years ago to being near the top of the NHL last year. People say, oh, well, it didn't, you know, it fell off this year. Well, yeah, you also took all the right-handed shots off the power play. I mean, if you had Victor Arvidsson all year long, the power play would be better. So that was a long-winded set of information there, Dennis, but I'm trying to provide information on all of this for people. Here's the other thing, though, and then I want to get a reaction from you. Sure. Um, There's one other piece to this puzzle, and uh, we broke this story on Mayor's Manor. I still, to this day, I don't know if anybody else has even reported this, 
Blake and Hiller were set to meet over the weekend from what I was able to gather, and they were going to talk about another assistant coach. So there is the opportunity for Hiller to bring in another assistant to help him. Another set of arms and legs, hands, whatever you want to call it, right? Another set of hands to help do some of the heavy lifting. He doesn't have to bring somebody in, but he could if he wanted to. That's the impression that I've been given. So um, reaction to everything there that I just said. I do have a question for you. Was Marco Sturm ever an option? I don't believe that Marco Sturm was an option. We can ask Rob that tomorrow. We'll see how forthcoming he would be. I don't believe so. And the reason is that Marco uh, wants to be a head coach. Or, or excuse me, are you talking about for the open assistant job or are you talking about for the the job? No, for the interim. Yeah, for the interim. I I would have to say at some point his name probably came up in conversation only because he's with he's in the organization. However, Jim Hiller has more NHL experience as a coach. And so if you're looking for experience on a team that is as loaded on a roster on paper, to me, it's not even a question. Marco Sturm gets a job with a team that is is young, is, you know, destined to be in the bottom five of the league. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Sure. Marco Sturm would have been a, a viable candidate for the Ducks job coming into this season, mm-hmm. right? That's a team that had very low yeah. expectations. They were not expected to make the playoffs. Marco's going to go and figure out how to be a coach at the NHL level, right? But this is not uh, a time for somebody to have with training wheels on at mm-hmm. the NHL level. Jim Hiller right. has been in the league for a long time as an assistant coach in Toronto, in New York. These are big markets. To me, they're apples and oranges. Jim Hiller and Marco Sturm are apples and oranges as far as I'm concerned. And, and remember, let's go back to when you know, Rob turfed his first coach when it was John Stevens. I mean, it was only going to be an interim role, and they wound up with uh, WD-40, we like to call him. Uh, if, this was only, if this was only going to be an interim role, you're not getting a big-time coach to come in and say, oh, I'm going to be an interim guy. I, I want a three-year contract. And you rented the, the financial consideration aside. If it was going to be interim only, it X's out a couple of people. Now, if they get back on a run and they do well and do well in the playoffs, then you, know, you keep you take the tag off a of hill. Or if not, you do your search in the summertime and you take it from there. So I think that the answer to the question that we started with, like he's the coach for the rest of the season, whether they do well, whether they don't do well, they're not going to be another change. And John, I remember, I think going back to that year with, with Stevens, I think they had they were paying four coaches at once. They were, yeah. So, so it's like you said, it's not how to run a business. It's not how you run a hockey organization. It, it's you can't do that. You can't just throw money left and right, especially when the team's underperforming. Well, and I think the other reason why you don't want to commit. Well, uh, I mean, to your point. Yes, if you're going to do, if you're going to sign up to bring somebody in for another three years plus. That's an extensive sort of scouting process that has to take place. Multiple conversations, right? I mean, that's somebody, it's like getting married. You're going to do a deep dive into that coach, right? You're not just taking a call and a recommendation. You really need to know that person and have a courtship and make sure that you're comfortable with a three-year deal. You don't have time to do that given the compressed situation. Again, remember, on January 18th, I don't believe that Rob Blake had designs on replacing Todd McClellan. Right. He was replaced basically 10 days later. So that's not enough time. And by the way, Blakey was on the road with the team too. So, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can only have so many uh, phone calls uh, when no one's right. looking in your hotel room during that time period. So right. yes, you want to do it in the summer and Dennis, you don't want to sign up for a coach until you really know yeah, what you're doing with this team. process. John. What's what happening gonna... with this roster? Yeah. What are you doing? Right. Because Dennis, right. if this team continues to lose somehow, some way, 
over the next you know 30 days leading to the trade deadline. Uh, I think general manager Rob Blake is going to be more active at the trade deadline than he planned on being, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Or it's going to go the opposite way. If they, right. if Hiller finds a way to turn this around, then you know what they plan on doing in the summer is a totally different thing. That's why, to me, I, I don't even like to entertain the conversation of, well, who will be the next head coach? Well, I can't really tell you. It's kind of like asking who's going to be the goaltender. I can't really tell you because a lot's going to happen between now and July first. So check back on June first, and, and I'll probably be in a better position to answer that question. And, and to your point, you put out on social media, you gave a list of seven coaches. <laughs> well, that was for the assistant role, though. That's, that's oh, I, gave, oh, was it? I okay. gave seven, yes, for the open okay. role okay. to add to his staff. If you're going to add to his staff, um, yeah. there's a couple people in there uh, worth taking a look at. I'll yeah. say that. And the question is, this is now what? Rob's fourth coach? Not a lot of general managers get to pick five coaches. It, it's it, that's that's a big number. So it's going to be. And then the question is, and, and I do want to say one thing. Uh, somebody, and I won't credit them on social media, said, "You know, are you two going to ask the hard questions?" And my response <laughs> was, "Question." <laughs> yeah. No, my response was, "It's only a hard question if you're afraid to ask it." And there's two guys on this podcast who are not afraid to ask it. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, so there'll be some. I'm sure there'll be some difficult questions tomorrow during during the press conference, but there won't be that many. I mean, you know, look, what I'm interested in seeing or talking to Rob about, maybe he'll answer it is, you know, all this stuff about the fringe players that I, that people go on, like Todd got fired because he, he played England or he played Jot. Like, are you no. kidding me? Do you no. know what the, like, <laughs> first of all, you guys aren't experts out there and you know, it's the same group. I, I won't, you know what? I might have to change my terminology from donkey to fringe. There are fringe fans out there that are six or seven, and they, you you don't get fired because you're your 13th forward. You don't get mm-hmm. fired because the, the fifth or sixth defenseman isn't playing. Mm-hmm. Like there's structural issues with this team that isn't happening. So I, I don't, the question is, you know, when you decide not to play Brent Clark in a game, whatever, is that solely a coach's decision or is that an organizational decision? It's an organizational decision. Rob Blake and Todd McClellan spoke every day. Please. Todd McClellan did not just unilaterally decide now, Rob Blake might tell you that the coach has the power, if you will, to make that decision. Sure. Okay, fine. Ultimately, it was his decision. Okay. But he was having a conversation with Rob Blake and saying, yeah. this is kind of what I'm thinking about doing. It's like in a regular business. Okay. Yeah. In a regular business, if you're thinking about doing something, even if you have the power and autonomy to do it, you still talk to your boss. Hey, I'm kind of thinking about doing this. And your boss right. is like, that seems like a great idea. Run with it. Or your boss is like, hey, look, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. I look forward to seeing the results. However, if you're asking for my two cents, here's what I would do. If the general manager was saying, I really think that you should play Brant Clark more, and Todd refused to do it, well, then, yes, he did deserve to be fired because he wasn't taking the cues from his boss. I don't think that's the case, though, Dennis. So I think that there was a a concert. There was a relationship. I think mm-hmm. that they were doing things as an organization. Um. Can I circle back, though, to your other comment about hard questions? To me, Dennis, sometimes these supposed hard questions that people think need to be asked. I like your. We already know the answers to them because they here's what I'm saying. Somebody do you need you need to ask Rob Blake if he feels that his job is in jeopardy. Right. Let me tell you why I don't need to ask Rob Blake that question tomorrow at the press conference. Rob Blake, I'm telling you right now on the podcast, Dennis, on Sunday evening, Rob Blake thinks that his job is in jeopardy. Rob Blake is concerned about the performance of this team. Why? 
because he's a hockey lifer and he knows how the world works. And he mm-hmm. knows that if this team continues to underperform, that there will be questions about his job security. That question does not need to be asked. If somebody would like to ask that question, feel free to do it. But Dennis, it's in the article. It's it's in the article where I talk about McClellan being relieved of his responsibilities and Jim Hiller being hired that the roster failure or the roster concern or the roster construction or whatever you want to call it, that is on one man. That is on Rob Blake. Right. Rob Blake put this roster together. If this roster wins, just like the quarterback in the Super Bowl, he should get some credit. And mm-hmm. if this roster doesn't win, he's going to get some flack for it as he has been all season, Dennis. Yeah. So I just don't understand the, this whole notion of hard question. What question, and, Dennis? And, and the timing as well, John. We're at game 49 when they play Edmonton. Like, and I've said this, when I graded them out, when I graded the organization and the team out, um, the, the last article I wrote for TFP, I said, I'm not grading, I'm not grading Rob because I got to wait till the end of the season. Like that's when his job, like if they could keep going backwards and they missed the playoffs with the moves he made and everybody said basically Stanley cup, deep run, whatever. Yeah. Everybody. And and not only that, it's probably a more appropriate question for his boss, mm-hmm. for Luke Robitaille. Like, mm-hmm. and, and so, I mean, you could, you could ask the, what if, Hey Rob, do you, if you guys keep going backwards and you missed the playoffs, do you think your job in jeopardy? What do you think? I mean, that's like, why? 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 Yes, think? we already know the answer to the question. Hey, hey, Rob, if you guys rally and you win two rounds and you get through a conference final and you lose, do you think your job's in jeopardy? No. Right. Okay. So I get, I, I like to ask it now, like, it's obvious you have to make that. It's a drastic move, John. Let's be real. You're paying a guy $5 million a year. You let him go and you put it in. That's a drastic move. It's the last Dennis, big it's be, move Dennis, you make. It's beyond yeah. drastic. This is, these are two people that have a decades-long relationship. Yep. You know, I don't want to say they're best friends, but they're really good associates. They're good friends. They're, I don't know what the right phrase is, okay? In, in this he played moment. for the guy in San yeah, Jose. But I mean, like, they know each other very well. Yeah. They respect each other. There's tremendous respect. And he's done a really good job, John, except for the this last... This was probably the hardest thing that Rob Blake had to do as a general manager. No question. No question. Right, it's probably the the hardest, the second and third hardest. It's probably but there the you go. So, so, I mean, yeah, there you go. Ask that question tomorrow. Where does this rank in terms of the most difficult things you've had to do as a general manager? I can already tell you how he's going to answer the question, and I haven't even asked him yet. I can tell you how he's going to answer it. This was the most difficult thing that I have had to do. He might even go so far as to say, in professional hockey, this is the most difficult thing that he's had to do. And of he course, the great John, somebody. the great huh? John Hoven quote: "They're not my questions. They're not my questions. <laughs> I have different questions, right?" <laughs> My questions are. I still my, laugh. My questions are all about the future. I want to, uh, but my questions can't be answered until Thursday because I want to talk to Jim Miller. Yeah, Jim, yeah. what are you doing with Arthur Kaliev? How do you plan on using him? Mm-hmm. Do you plan on putting him in an elevated role, or do you continue to use him as a thirteenth forward as a spare part on the roster? Yep. What type of wingers do you plan on giving Pierre Luc Dubois? Oh, and that's assuming that Dubois is still a center. Hey, Jim, do you plan on moving? I'm giving all my questions away, so I hope some of the other media members are listening so they can ask these tough questions. Uh, Jim, how are you going to put the lines together, and what are you going to do in goal? Because you have Cam Talbot and you have David Riddick, and you need to figure out who's going to be the starting goaltender, and I don't want to hear it's a 1A, 1B, 50-50 situation. You need a win on Saturday, and so whoever you end up starting on Saturday against the Oilers, Dennis, that is your number one goaltender. You're going to tell us by not telling us at all. And, And now the question, John, is you know what's next for Todd? You know, when, when I got to talk to him on the island when 
We traveled, uh, you know, I was in the team hotel, sat down and talked with him. I get the inkling that this this might be the last head coaching job. You know, as we know, we've talked about the financial consideration. Team paid him to come here and coach in Los Angeles. He's got what a five year deal and got a, a sixth. So he's mm-hmm. got the money. He's what fifty six years old. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be. I think he's in a position where he's comfortable. He may not. Now, hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk to the PR staff tomorrow. We'd like to talk to him. And, and yeah. like, the question is, when's he going to talk to the media? But I think this might have been his last head coaching. So never say never, John. But you know, I, I think at this point in time, um, that may have been the last full-time or full head coaching gig for Todd uh, going forward. Well, I will tell you uh, that I did have a chance to uh, exchange some text messages with him uh, over the weekend. Um, and we do plan on connecting at some point. I don't know when that will be. Obviously, it's on his own timeline. Um, you know, he's right. still in the middle of processing and defragging. But here's what I would say. Without having talked to him and asked him that specific question, the reason why I believe that he most likely would not want to come back is very simple. Simply boils down to this, Dennis. Winning is hard. So earlier you said you like to quote. There's a quote right there. Winning is hard. That's why. It's not easy to win the Stanley Cup. He's done this for yep. a long time. He's had a go at it with three separate teams. Obviously, with two of them, he had a longer run. But each of the each of the sort of situations was different in and of itself, right? With San Jose, it was a it was a build over a long period of time, and they were yep. their championship window was open. Um he he started with a, a bare bones team here in Los Angeles, which was different than the team that was expected to win in Edmonton. So he's had three different looks at it with three different teams at three different sort of points on the arc, if you will. Winning's hard. You know, there's 32 teams in the league at this point and only one gets to win the Stanley Cup. It's not as easy as Vegas made it look in their six year run. So he's made over $30 million in LA alone. I mean, add up the money also in Edmonton and the money from San Jose. Does he really want to do it or does he want to go enjoy life? And, and John, there's 32 teams. I think six coaches, active coaches, have won a Stanley Cup. So it's not like so. And I know there's, there's a faction of fans out there that still hold a gr- still think he's not a good coach because he lost to the Kings in 2014 and lost four straight or whatever, or never won a cup. There, I can give you a litany of coaches who have never won a cup or really good coaches. And look at how many games he won. And, you know, and all I can say is that he treated us with respect. Um, was he as fully transparent as you'd want him to be 100% of the time? Of course not. But what coach is? But he respected the job he did. He said that so many times. And, you know, both on and off the record, he was always pretty open with me. And, uh, you know, and I get it. Like, you know, you want information from your coach. And, and I get the fans always going to hold Daryl in higher esteem because he won. It's as simple as that. But do you think you, you got more information from Daryl Sutter than you got from Tom McClellan about your team? Never, never happened. Never respected what we did, right? Nope. Todd didn't. I get it. He didn't. He wound up not winning and wound up getting fired. And a lot of people wanted him fired from like, you know, season three on because they didn't win in the playoffs. They didn't be Edmonton. But look at all the things that he did well for this team and rebuilt the organization. And came in here. And John, I remember going to games in the second year when it was when the team bottomed out. Two nothing. You wanted to five. trade everybody back then. Yeah, trade everybody. Yeah. But it was John. The game was. It was. It would be. They would play Toronto. It would be two nothing after five minutes, and the game was mm-hmm. over. Like you knew the game was over. Mm-hmm. So he helped build this team. And you can say, is it a parallel to what Terry Murray did, where he was a builder, and they need another guy to come in? Yeah, but you know, respect. See, the, I say the job no. I I say that's you know? too easy. I say I, I've heard that narrative. I, don't, I have too. I don't. Know. I don't know if I completely agree with that. I think Terry Murray was a different type of coach than Todd. Um, 
I, I don't see them the same other than they were a coach who helped build the team into getting ready to be championship mm-hmm. yeah. contender. Yeah. And then they had to be replaced to bring in somebody else. Couldn't get that over the finish line. Part, that part I sort of see, but I guess I just see them as two totally different type of coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's really in the weeds and too technical, but. Yeah, yeah, I see. Which, but but I, I, I do I want just, to echo your yeah. points, though. I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. I didn't want to cut no, you no. off. I just think you know the way he communicated with us and respected us, and you know gave him. Yeah, I I just think he he the organization is is far better off now than when he joined the organization. So he certainly helped build something here that you know has potential. And yeah, he didn't give over the finish line, but you know with respect to the interaction with us and and how now he treated us, I, I think it was great. And I know the fans might not give a rat's ass about that, John. But we do, and we're you know for people that want information about the team, like you know, that's how you get it by communication, by building relationships with people. You just can't walk in there and say, as, as an as a reporter or as a media, fire the coach, the coach stinks, the team stinks, whatever. It doesn't it doesn't do you any good? You have to build relationships, and this coach allowed us to build a relationship with us, a bridge, and by that the fans got a bridge. They got more information about it. Maybe not like like what they heard all the time, but certainly the the channel of communication that was opened by this coach as opposed to Daryl, who did win, but never respected what we did, I think for a day. And certainly me and you, John, I can't talk about other reporters, but I know that we weren't looked in the same light by Daryl Sutter than we did by Todd McClellan. Absolutely 100% agree with you on everything that you just said there, Dennis, that Daryl deserves to be at a different level because he did win two Stanley Cups, yep. and I understand why people like him. I will tell you, as a person, I like Daryl Sutter. He, uh, when the cameras are off, he's much easier to talk to and to deal with. He is absolutely annoying and, and uh, completely frustrating as a media person who's trying to gather information to produce articles, to produce podcasts, to be a conduit of information, to provide context, to do our jobs and the things that we do for the fans, for the readers, for the listeners, he made it very difficult. Todd McClellan was the exact opposite from day one. Todd tried to build a bridge. He tried to explain. He tried to teach. He tried to provide the context. He didn't always do it um, on the record or on camera or whatever. He wasn't but he, fully transparent, but no coach is. No, in but, any sport. But, but he always made time, and he would talk as long as you wanted to talk to him. He would answer as many questions. He never uh, blew people off, and I'm not just talking about you or me. I'm talking about anybody in, in my witness mm-hmm. of what I've seen. And I want to reference something here, Dennis. Uh, November, I just pulled the tweet up right now. November 20th of 2018, 8.41 a.m. on that day, I tweeted this. I would hire Todd McClellan in an Edmonton minute. Great coach. Mm -hmm. That's how much I respected Todd McClellan before he ever was a member of the LA Kings. And and you were the one. You were the one guy who always said, "Put that guy on the list." Absolutely. Yeah, he he was a candidate for us, and you were the only guy that I remember. (laughs) Well, what I what I just want to bookend that with is sure because people have then said, "Oh, are you?" Somebody asked me. Are you bummed they got rid of your guy? And I'm like, no, you guys don't understand how this works. <laughs> it's not my guy. I'm not tight with Todd McClellan. It's not like my relationship with, say, Kyle Clifford or something like that, right? Uh, I respect Todd McClellan, but I also understood that it was time for Todd to go. And that's the story that I told at the top of the podcast. Sitting mm-hmm. there at the Buffalo game, I was like, yep, it's time for Todd to go. It doesn't mean I don't like Todd. It doesn't mean I don't respect him. It just means 
all of the buttons had been pushed. It's, it's it not wasn't the, yeah. the train was not moving at the speed that it needed to, and it was time. It was finally time, and time has come. And now Jim Hiller will get a crack at it, and we will see where it will go from there. Um, I have one parting uh, story that I want to share with you tonight, Dennis, Please. before we wrap up. But I want to just ask, do you have anything else that you want to cover in the podcast? Uh, it's going to be a big week. We're going to talk to Rob Blake. We're going to talk to Jim Hiller. Uh, for a bye week, this is going to be full of news and information leading into the Edmonton game on Saturday. So um, anything else you want to share today before we turn this uh, you know, page over and, and move on to the next chapter in the LA Kings history? No, just two shameless plugs. Tomorrow I'll be on, uh, I'll be on from 1 to 2 Pacific on Sirius XM, part of the discussion room, and I'll be hosting on Friday uh, 3 to 6 with Steve Cooley. So certainly I'm sure there'll be some Kings talk if you guys want to tune in on top of our next episode, which... I guess we have to determine if we want to do it tomorrow. We want to wait for Jim Hiller's conversation, but we'll have another one this week, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to I'm going to trump you, Dennis. I'm going to top you. I'm going to be on Please. NHL Radio before you. I will be on with Boomer <laughs> tomorrow morning uh, as the as the appetizer for Rob Blake's uh, meeting it's with the KOTP media. KOTP takeover of NHL Network Radio. Oh, dude, that's a great hashtag. You're going to have to use that tomorrow. Uh, I will. Yeah, I'm going to join Boomer <laughs> Mayor's Minutes, which normally Fantastic. happens on like Wednesday on or Wednesday. Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boomer wants to do it on Monday. He's ready to go. He's he's chomping at the bit. So uh, we've been in communication already. That's great. Uh, we will we will do that. Yes, we're going to have to book another podcast. We'll have to see. Really, I mean, it depends what what happens at the press conference with Blake. If Tomorrow. there's any yeah. new information, then we have some stuff to chew on for a show. And if not, then we'll have plenty to chew on by the time that it uh, circles back sure. around on Thursday with uh, with Jim Hiller for sure, because it will be the media's first chance to uh, really have a conversation with him. And I'm super bummed, Dennis, because you know how much I love to retweet out links. I didn't have a link to a podcast with Jim Hiller that I could tweet out because we had talked multiple times with PR last year about having Hiller on, and we just never were able to coordinate schedules. And so he didn't, uh, he hasn't been on the podcast yet. So, well, yeah, well, fans don't like, they don't make the assistant coaches normally available. Like, have you ever had a, like, we've had Trent Yanni on. We did. Yeah, we had Trent Yanni on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't, I have normally, had a with Jim. Yeah, yeah, normally, normally the assistants yeah. are are not are not really uh, made available at the NHL level. Yep. So we'll do that. So um, your story, wanna, John, before we go. Yeah, I want to wrap up the podcast with a proud dad moment. Um, yeah, just please. have to share this. Yep. No, Dennis, absolutely, hundred percent. It is an incredible weekend um, for me personally. Uh, really, for my son, not for me. But um, so they were getting down towards the end of the year, the end of their regular season, high school hockey. He's a senior. Um, they had one game that uh, was supposed to be rescheduled and never never really ended up happening. And so they were going to play one game short on the season. Well, senior night was this sa- this Saturday, just a couple days ago or yesterday, whatever Where it is. Where does he go to school? Who does he play for? Well, the, the team is Bishop Amat. He doesn't go to that high okay. school, but that's the team okay. that he's okay. zoned into or whatever you want to call it. He's been Got assigned it. to. So he's played there sure. for four years. He was the captain for the last two years. You know, it's a really awesome. big deal. And uh, so... The, the last game of the season, senior of regular season, because playoffs are about to start, but the last game of the regular season, senior night, big deal, right? Um, all this stuff. Well, that game was scheduled for Saturday uh, evening. Well, about a week or so ago, um, they add, we thought that it was just over. They, they were just going to forget about that other game. Well, they add it back to the schedule for right. the morning of senior night. And I'm like, oh boy, now he's got to play two games in the same day. And sure. One of them is going to be before senior night. So he's going to come into senior night and be tired, and the team's not going to be as well-rested you know, as they would have been of normally. Oh, you know, what a bummer. So what happens? So it's an early morning game. Get up. You know, the crack of dawn. Not my thing, Dennis. You know that. Um, 
head down to the rink first thing you know i don't know a lot even that much i know (laughs) yeah the roosters are crowing you know starbucks isn't even open yet you know whatever dude goes out and scores two goals and i'm like okay come on i mean he's really he's gonna get a hat trick today i mean mean, he's just he's feeling it dennis um uh shorthanded the team goes on a power play shorthanded he scores his third goal to to get the hat trick fantastic right scores a shorty to get the hat trick in game one they end up winning that game six nothing wow what a morning fantastic everything's great you know i'm holding my breath silently wondering what's going to happen you know in game two goes out in senior night later in the day what does he do dennis he scores another hat trick he has hat tricks in back-to-back games so great you can't make this stuff up it's unbelievable it's fantastic I'm, i'm trying to explain it to him like this is probably only happened a handful of times if ever in the entire you know high school league that he plays in uh, right. it's like this is not a common occurrence first of all for people to you know have a hat trick let alone two hat tricks on the same day in back-to-back games it's pretty ridiculous uh so that's great and uh how do we top the weekend off well the all-star game um yep. just like it is in the nhl and the uh, ahl the all-star game was this weekend and he was elected uh to play um and represent his school which is great so he was uh, at the All-Star game and um, got to wear the All-Star jersey and the whole nine. And had they had the big player introductions where they skate out of the tunnel and they all line up at the blue line. And, you know, he was stoked. So um, just, you know, Dennis, he's a wonderful, yep. wonderful kid. He's a great kid. Um, I've seen him grow up. I remember he used to be happy, stand next right? to I, I, the elevators. He was, you know, <laughs> coming up to you like your waist. And now he's taller than you. So but that's, well, I that's used a to have him on the Mayor's out. Manor podcast back in the day. That's he right. He was playoff kid. predictions, you know, right. his the little makes the voice when he was in elementary school and he was making me look bad so i stopped having him on the show he's he's a smart kid he knows his he hockey really is and, a great uh, kid man holy crap super happy super proud dad moment um so yes i apologize to people that follow on instagram i did go a little crazy and uh posted out a bunch of photos over the weekend but um that's wow, what, what a weekend about your personal experiences it's pretty crazy, man. I'm telling you. In all in all of my years of uh, being around the sport of hockey, uh, it, it was it was one of those moments yep. where, yep, it's just like shocking. It's like, well, you had a hat trick. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, you had another hat trick. Like, fantastic. <laughs> pretty crazy. So, so, um, congratulations to him. And uh, Dennis, I guess we'll we'll wrap this show up, and then uh, yep. we'll see what happens on Monday. Absolutely, Jay. All right, everybody, have a good one. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah,